Hello, you're very welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Unshot.net. Monetized Back to School and Blended Learning, the Q&A, Part 2. Hello, this is Simon Lewis from Unshot.net and you're very welcome to this uh, special series of uh, episodes called Unsanitized Back to School and Blended Learning. These uh, are the last of uh, these sessions where I'm answering questions on Facebook and Twitter and creating a podcast around those questions. I had intended to answer all of the questions in one session, uh, but uh, looking at the clock, it looks like it's going to take a few uh, sessions. So this is part two. Uh, If you want to listen back to part one, I answered uh, about five questions around blended learning, uh, really interesting questions from people. And um, I suppose without further ado, let's move on to the second part. Um, The second part of uh, starts off with uh, a question from Key um, of how to combat very low engagement. Now, I would have touched on this on the previous episodes uh, where they talked about um, what to do with uh, children who don't uh, respond. And I think um, it's... I think I think I suppose what we're going to have to look at is the same. It's probably the same answer to the same question in a way. But I suppose this has been asked in a different way, because in this case, this is like a situation where parents are working and they're finding it really hard for their children to engage in blended learning. And what I'd be suggesting really here is we need to have an education um, for parents as well as for schools in what blended learning actually means, because I think what happened in the past um and when i say the past i just mean in the last few uh, few months uh, during lockdown is there was a n- number one a misconception of what blended learning actually was so um we were actually doing distance learning so i might just focus on that for the answer when doing distance learning um i think a lot of families found this really really difficult because it was a totally different way of doing school um i mean first of all you uh, as a parent had to ha- almost be a classroom assistant and um, because schools d- don't work the same way online as they do offline you can't have a teacher on the screen for the time that your child was supposed to be in school and babysit your child and i don't mean that in a negative way but i mean i we get and, and we know that school is very useful for childminding it's free childminding at its very worst and um, but at its very best it provides children with unbelievable opportunities uh, for educational reasons, social reasons and their own personal development reasons. However, that can't happen online when they're sitting in front of a screen. And as good as a screen might be and as, as entertaining as many teachers are, they aren't going to supervise your child for five hours and 45, uh, 40 minutes a day um, without a bit of help from you. Um, number one, it's not effective. Uh, and number two, it's uh, it's just a really really bad way of doing education. So if you've got working uh, working families, um, I would suggest that we need to educate parents in that. Look, everyone's going to be at home on lockdown. If we're in lockdown, the uh, the country is going to be in lockdown. And if you're working, um, you're likely to be working from home. So that means you're going to have to timetable your day differently. And I think there's going to now this is way beyond my abilities because I'm not ruling the country in any way. But the government are going to have to have some sort of flexible approach that if children are at home learning and parents are expected to be working at the same time that 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 there's a problem there because they can't supervise your children while they're also working whatever that job might be and what i would suggest there is that 
um, there's some sort of flexible approach that a parent guarantees an input of about an hour a day into their children's learning. Because look, at the end of the day, when a child is in school for five hours and 40 minutes, they're sharing the space with 28, 29, 30 other children. And effectively, they're not really getting, you know, five hours and 40 minutes of, of entire focus on them. So a good hour in the morning with a child is probably enough of a, uh, for distance learning. So if you can sort of say to your boss, look, I'm going to be starting work, let's say if you're supposed to be in at nine o'clock, I'm going to start work at 10 o'clock, I'll work late. And you get, use that hour to do whatever lessons that the teacher has given to you, whether that's through pre-recorded video, whether that's through um, through online um, activities that they've emailed out to you or sent to you, uh, then that's the time to do it. It would also be good if your bosses could be flexible in terms of giving you time for live sessions with the teacher, because I think a teacher should give a live session maybe two to three times a week, uh, one at a minimum, and maybe to allow your child to be able to engage just so they can see the other children in their class. Because on lockdown, one of the hardest things really was human interaction. So I suppose that's kind of what I talk about. Look, a lot of this is out of our control. And then I suppose um, for, for people who are just not engaging for no reason, I've talked about that in the last episode. So we might have a look at that. M asks the question, E-M. Uh, uh, in fact, I say M pretty much throughout this podcast, don't I? Uh, it's one of my ticks, I think. Anyway, some quarters, um, media slash parent groups suggested synchronous learning for the length of the school day. Uh, they said, oh, look, I, it's, as if you, it's as if you knew what I was going to say. Then there was asynchronous learning uh, I, on online channels without real-time instruction. Teachers are in a steep learning curve, many of them. Uh, so look, there's a, a long way, then there's hybrids of learning models of asynchronous and synchronous learning and so on. So there's lots and lots here um, of, yeah, basically, I'm, just to summarise this, it's quite a long um, paragraph uh, of a, a question. So basically, what should what what could we do? Um, what 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 is all this synchronous and asynchronous learning, and, and what do we what do we use? And I probably have answered that question in the previous episode in a way, but just to explain what synchronous learning, because I didn't use that uh, term, or asynchronous learning means. Uh, synchronous learning is like your live lessons. Now, I suggest these are not effective uh, for primary schools because you're never going to have your full class in front of you uh, for learning. I think synchronous um, activity when you're live on video with your class, maybe through Zoom or Google. Hangouts or Microsoft Teams or any of those, that's where you check in with children uh, and do things that you don't need everybody there for. So that might be um, for, let's say, show and tell. Maybe that's something for like a scavenger hunt. It might be um, a check in for like circle time, possibly. Um, I mean, I, I, I can see an online circle time working quite well there. Um, but it isn't really great for very much else. I think it might be good for small groups, possibly for learning support, maybe, although again, you couldn't guarantee that everybody's there. So maybe, and again, you don't want a situation where you've got one-to-one um, literally one-to-one where you're, it's a teacher and a child on a screen on their own at the, uh, at the same time because that could go anywhere. Um, so I, 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 I guess that's synchronous learning. Asynchronous learning is basically when a teacher pre-records uh, learning uh, for the child and puts that up online, whether that's on their um, uh, learning management system, whether that's Seesaw, Google Classroom, all those kind of places, or on YouTube or something like that. And, and then in their own time, uh, pupils engage with that learning and do those activities and put them up. So they're 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 kind of uh, what I was looking uh, looking at. Uh, uh, M asked for a synopsis of the tools available. Um, I'd suggest that every school should pick 
something and, uh, and and stick with it. I don't think every classroom should be doing something differently. Uh, in my school, at least, uh, we're looking at, for infant level Seesaw. Um, and the reason we're using Seesaw at infant level, because I really wanted Google Classroom throughout the school. And it just found that Google Classroom with infants just... It wasn't engaging enough and it was proving difficult. So we've looked at, we, we tried out Seesaw towards the end of the year and it really, really, I mean, engagement went sky high in that particular class as opposed to a class that didn't use uh, uh, Seesaw. So uh, we're going to go with that. And then from first class upwards, we're going to stick with Google Classroom. Um, the tools that will be available uh, to you really um, aren't really that difficult. I would suggest that you just pick three things really um something that where you can make announcements and 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 give activities to do through text um google classroom is very good at that seesaw is very good at that um and uh i'd suggest maybe links to websites those kind of things that that's very good where you have text conversations with each other so you might put out a question tell me something that you know about the vikings and the children can type in their answers or uh, or record their answers back in some other way that's one way the second way is through um recorded video uh, as i've mentioned before and how you would do that um and again children can react uh, through uh, typing, through audio recording, through video recording, let's say through Flipgrid, for example. Um, and then you've got your synchronous uh, ideas where you do live video. And I like Zoom uh, uh, above the others, uh, but most uh, schools have their own system for doing that. So there are the three ways, uh, the three tools I would use. Um, again, after that, really, I, I don't I think it's up to yourself what to what specific apps work for you. Um, people like Padlet. I'm not too big of a fan of it, but I can see why people would like it. I like Flipgrid, which is a video tool where children can record short snippets of their video uh, of them on video, and they and it integrates very well with Google Classroom. Symbaloo I like for uh, like having a grid of 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 websites that people might visit. Um, it's kind of a nice little tool to use. So it's three off the top of my head. As I said, I'm not writing scripts for this, and maybe uh, that's a question that might. Uh, be maybe a fuller episode maybe later on. Derek asks, um, as it's not possible or desirable to replicate the in-school experience and opportunities, where should the priorities lie when delivering remote and blended learning? So I feel I've I've probably answered that question um, in a way, uh, but just to, uh, but I haven't prioritised it. Uh, I suppose I've given a lot of ideas. Um, where would the prioritise? I think my priority would be to set your minimum expectations of what it's going to look like, to be honest with you. Um, so if you're doing remote learning, you would tell your that a school would have a whole school policy on how that's going to work and i think it's i think it's within a school's remit to basically say, look this is how we're going to do things here and everybody sticks to that now as a minimum expectation i think i wouldn't say i wouldn't give maximum expectations uh where you know i think people should be um encouraged to do whatever suits them as long as they're as long as they uh teach what they do to other people we all have to learn from each other again while this isn't absolutely brand new now the idea of remote learning we still are very much in our infancy of learning what that looks like and i've, I've gone through um what that would be now i think so to be honest with you that's my priority as a, as a school leader uh, to uh, what i would be doing with my staff when it comes to blended learning that will be different again but every school will have to decide how that will work i hope the government will say this is how every school will have to do a week in, a week out, or two days in, three days out, or whatever it might be. Or children who are from frontline workers come into school and those who don't, don't. I think there should be consistency there because otherwise you're going to have schools battling with each other and people leaving schools and going to a school that suits their needs. I don't like that idea. Um, so again, I think that's a priority for the government. So that's uh, that question. 
Um, Moira, is the class teacher responsible for providing the distance learning while still teaching a class in school and adhering to new regulations, re-wiping down, etc., and new yard duties? Four question marks. Um, well, I don't know the answer to that question, but I hope the answer to the question will be no. And I went on about this um, in detail in the last um, session of this, where I outlined where I think what blended learning should look like. A class teacher, I believe, should just uh, stick to the class uh, that's in front of them, whoever's in, and then someone else will do the uh, remote learning. Um, that's how I would envisage it. Uh, but I've expanded on that in the previous um, uh, part of this episode, part one. Helen asks, tips for teachers with terrible internet coverage? Yeah, um, th that's a really good question. And uh, I think the answer to that is um, you need to find some way of finding some form of internet coverage um, uh, in some way or another. Um, and I guess that might mean driving to um, driving somewhere in your car uh, to a place where you have some form of internet, whether that's 4G connection from, um, you know, from your phone um, and maybe coming to some sort of arrangement with your school uh, if, if that's going to cost you money to do. Um, but I mean, I think about 99% of the country is, has 4G coverage and I feel you need to travel to that place if you're uh, if we're doing remote uh, if we're on remote learning now you're not going to be able to do uh, a lot of i suppose synchronous learning where you're live because if your internet's dropping all the time that's not going to work um even where i live uh, i found myself f f um for whatever reason um my internet connection was terribly un unreliable and i'd often drop in and out uh, of connection it wasn't great I was doing a lot of training um, and uh, even some doing interviews and things like that it just didn't it was, wasn't great so I found that I ended up having to travel to my school where there's a, a slower but more reliable internet connection um, I don't believe that um, uh, at the next lockdown that people won't be able to travel to their school uh, to be able to do that so hopefully between your home and your school or maybe somewhere in between uh, you might have to be sitting in your car but you, you'll probably be delivering things. Uh, what I would do is if you do have a terrible internet connection, I'd pre-record a lot of your stuff and uh, go from there. If, if you can't do live teaching, maybe you just can't do live teaching. However, I do, um, I don't agree with live teaching anyway, but uh, live interactions, but there may be some way uh, or some place where you can maybe commit once a week to go to where there is a decent internet coverage and uh, do a live session of some sort. That's that's kind of my only tip. Um, Pre-record stuff. You don't need an internet connection to record yourself on your phone. Um, you may then have to upload and just wait, you know, the hour or two before, uh, you know, that, uh, that it takes for it to upload. That's just maybe, you know, something that we have to uh, bear with. And um, the next question is from Caroline. Um, can the department try and set up some sort of national online learning for all classes in primary schools with teachers delivering lessons online? Children who are at home can access this countrywide. Yeah, I, I, ca I captured the, I, I covered this in the last uh, part. I absolutely agree. This is um, essential. I've been calling it for 15 years. Uh, I'm not going to do uh, my previous ad break that I did the last time uh, about this because um where I talked about uh, what I did in the past and what I'm doing at the moment uh, around that. But I do think this is an essential thing. I mean, I, it's, we're way out of date uh, on this. And I already know that, that most other countries um, have got this already in place. Um, but hey, <laughs> this is Ireland. So I suppose, what what can we do? Where, where we are, where we are, seems to be something that people tend to say with a shrug of their shoulders. 
Let's uh, move on to the Twitter uh, um, questions. Uh, I have um, lots of them here. I think we've uh, quite uh, about 30 questions here. So we'll see how many we get before we have to stop uh, at the half hour mark. So Annie asks me, uh, what if teachers who are on self-isolation due to their own or close contacts or family members' medical conditions and don't uh, possess the digital literacy skills to engage with digital uh, distance learning, uh, can they opt out from distance learning? Wow, um, that's a really good question, Annie. And maybe I, I'm going to have to focus on this uh, for quite some time. Um, um, I didn't expect my first question to be as hard. Uh, so <laughs> okay, look, first of all, no, you can't opt out uh, from distance learning. You, you, you know, if you don't know how to record a video of yourself um, teaching something, if you don't know how to uh, use Google Classroom or another online uh, tool like Seesaw or any of those, if you don't know how to use a computer, you know, and you are in the teaching profession at this moment, uh, at this time, and I, I hate to be harsh, uh, but sometimes you kind of have to be harsh in, in life and, and maybe it's not like me. You learn and you learn quick, um, I think, is, is, is my honest answer. You, you, you need to you if you're a teacher these days you it's not acceptable uh to say i i'm i'm sorry i'm not just good at computers it's it's to me these days that's like saying sorry i'm just not good at maths i'm not going to teach maths or i'm sorry i'm not good at irish i'm, I'm just not going to teach irish um actually you know and actually do you know what now that i've said that it's it's it's, it's actually put me in a different place it's amazing when you're thinking on the fly because actually there are some teachers that can't speak irish and are in our system and, and, and quite rightly are in our system and should be in our system. So what happens to teachers who can't teach Irish? Well, what schools should do if, uh, is help these teachers to um, uh, buy out by uh, getting somebody into their class to teach those lessons. Um, now, you know, it's kind of, kind of funny. I'm coming back and forth here uh, as to what I think because I started off quite harshly. Then I've lightened myself here by saying, okay, well, then we get another teacher to do it. So what does that teacher then do if they're at home? They can't do nothing, okay? So I'm kind of thinking, okay, right, they can't teach Irish, so they get someone else to teach that lesson. So some other teacher, maybe a set teacher, might come in and, and teach uh, lessons. But someone who's self-isolating and doesn't have digital skills, I mean, is it reasonable to expect them to do nothing then? Something has to happen uh, while they're at home. Now, I don't really know the answer to that question. I do think the teacher needs to i mean i i just to be honest with you i don't think there are there, there there's it's, it's reasonable to say that there's no that the teachers don't there's there's a teacher out there that doesn't know how to use a computer anymore maybe 20 years ago there was the digital divide where there were actually a number of teachers who who didn't use computers at all but i don't think there's very many of them in the system if any at all that can't book a flight in ryanair let's say or can't answer an email and, and things like that i i kind of feel if there's a teacher in the system that 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 is unable to, it doesn't have digital literacy skills. We need to find out, okay, what can you do? There must be something you can do. And whether that's, uh, that might be to do something slightly different. Um, um, I mean, I, I can't, oh, look, I don't know, Annie, you've, you've really uh, got me here and uh, I'm thinking on the fly. Uh, but what I'm thinking really is that I, number one, I just, I don't think there's, uh, there's any teachers in the system that don't know how to use a computer anymore. Um, if, they're, if they are there I, and they have to self-isolate, I, it's such an exception uh, to the rule that I think um, they're going to have to they're going to have to learn uh, kind of quickly enough, or another job will have to be found for them, or the board of manager are going to really have to come in there and kind of think, okay, 
get get it. I I think they're we're gonna have to get external advice there, and that I actually have no answer to the question. You've, my first question on Twitter, and I'm completely flummoxed. But what I'd be saying is, look, I think all teachers in the country know how to use a computer in some way. They may not know how to use it well for pedagogy, but they certainly know how to use it. So then it's up to somebody in the school to be able to give this teacher some ways of interacting with their class while at home in some way. You you may get support from a set teacher who might do some of the work, but while that's happening, they need to be training this teacher on how to do that. And everybody, almost, I think, again, 99.9% of people have, have a mobile phone, a smartphone, in that, uh, uh, not only just a mobile phone, so they have the ability to video themselves, and then somebody can train a teacher how to upload that um, uh, video onto something. So they have to show them how to set up a YouTube account or some sort of account where they, where they share those videos of teaching lessons. Um, I think, again, we have to train teachers in how to use Google Classroom. There's plenty of courses out there for that. So maybe um, maybe now is the time for teachers to prepare them. If you are a teacher who doesn't know how to use a computer right now, you need to learn how to use a computer. You've got six weeks, maybe tops before we're on lockdown this time. And I think we need to we need to look at that. That is a fantastic question, Ali. Gosh, um, really, really had me there. I was absolutely gung-ho until I mentioned the Irish language and then realised there's lots of teachers in the system that don't speak Irish. And what do we do to help them? So really, this is a, a matter of uh, supporting each other in some way and supporting uh, uh, for, for that purpose. So um, thanks for that question. Let's move on to Sam. Uh, so that, that question brought me up to 20 minutes, so we're definitely going to have to do a part three here, I think. Uh, leaders' approaches to collaborative practice in schools, re-technical tools, and how is this supported? Collaborative practice will ensure good quality. Yeah, so basically, um, one message, one school is the final comment there from Sam. Look, I mean, that's lovely. Um, and um, uh, if you have a leader that is able to support uh, these kind of approaches and I'd agree I mean I, I, I think collaborative uh, approaches to in schools is a really good idea I would think collaborative approaches between schools is even better where a number of schools get together to help support the curriculum in some way I would love the idea and the, uh, the and I, I suppose this goes uh, back to um, a, a previous episodes of if I were the Minister for Education where I, I love the idea of hubs of school uh, of hubs of schools of networks of schools that work together to collaborate to teach the to to teach um, or even to lead schools. So, I, I mean, I, I am in favour of networks of, of schools with one leader um, uh, kind of working with them. When I'm, talk I'm talking about small schools here. But when we go online, this is absolutely sensible. Uh, even if you don't agree with it in real life. Uh, in online, it makes total sense for schools to get together in an area to cover the curriculum. Wouldn't it be amazing if you had five small schools in an area and each of those five schools had two teachers, so you had 10 teachers available to your children, uh, to these five uh, five schools' children, and collaborate to teach the curriculum? Um, wouldn't that be an amazing idea? Would, I, I just think it would be a wonderful thing to do. Whether it would happen or not, is another question. Could schools actually get together to do this? It'd be a great, great test of possibly uh, of what could be mapped then into real life. So I'm kind of, I'm going to put that out there as a challenge maybe to a few small schools to get together in a network and to uh, try out um, teaching other schools children. I think you'll, obviously there's a lot of paperwork and around uh, who's enrolled where and how that all works and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure there's a bit of, it's not as simple as I'm saying, but, uh, you know, like if you're in one school and you've got a teacher from a different school teaching you, um, is, is that, is that something that's, that's, that's possible? I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know if there's any rules around this. I, I kind of think it's an interesting, um, 
interesting concept uh good point sam so i think uh for collaborative uh, i think within one school maybe a big school because i think sam may be in a big school i may be wrong there uh collaborative practice let's say you're in, in several streamed school that uh every teacher uh, like let's say you've got two sets of first class uh why wouldn't the two teachers in there collaborate on um and teach each other's classes different subjects and things like that it makes it makes sense to me um let's move on will has asked would teachers be expected to teach live for a period of time every day now i've answered this question in in lots of different ways um uh, over the last uh, this episode and the previous uh, part of it i i think teaching live is a terrible way of teaching uh because um all, all the kids aren't going to be there i think the only way to teach live is when you're when you actually have a smaller group of children who are all going to be there um for a specific things so maybe that's for learning support or something like that i don't i think teaching live doesn't work i think things that don't necessarily need everybody every everyone to be there is a good way to be live and i would suggest that teachers aren't there every day live um, but I would suggest two to three times a week is is reasonable to be live, but for the purposes of checking in um, on children's well-being, um, maybe for a show and tell, maybe to uh, present what you've been doing in, in the class. So you might you might have set a task uh, for the children. Let's say you were doing, I, I always go to the Vikings. It's kind of my, my go-to place when it comes to uh, um, giving examples of learning in school. And the other one I go to, for, weirdly enough, is the Burren. Um, and I've, I've no idea why. I, I, I don't know any Vikings and I don't know anyone from the baron um and, and a very little experience of either but let's say you are teaching uh the the vikings and you ask children to go off and do a project at home on the vikings and you've given them all the, the the scaffolding and everything else maybe the live session on a friday might be show me your project so basically the child might have made a longboat or something like that um and uh, they might show it on their screen to the rest of the class and tell them about it that's what i would suggest for about live stuff i wouldn't teach anything i wouldn't be going like having your little whiteboard on your screen uh in your in your house and saying now kids this is how you do long multiplication or um you know i i don't see that as a useful way of teaching live so anyway that's me answering that question um sniv um which i assume isn't uh, this person's real name um possibly my last question before i move uh go to part three how uh, sets could more effectively assign work on a platform without overloading send pupils who are already being assigned work from class teachers Ooh, that's a big question um without overload yeah i i kind of feel um that this comes down to uh management really of collaboration between schools so effectively if you're if you're um the class teacher you're probably going to be assigning work to your to your class um and then some children will have a learning support teacher a set um as they're known special education teacher uh who will then assign more work uh, which may overwhelm or overload pupils who are getting with additional needs or who are receiving that support now some uh, parents would be delighted to have uh, their children getting double the work, uh, but it can be overwhelming. And I think this is something uh, really which isn't an, um, a technology-related um, problem, although the technology is causing the problem uh, with two people doing off, uh, basically uh, giving double double the work, really. So I, I, I believe, really, in this case, this is where um, the set team and the mainstream uh, class teacher need to work together to ensure that that doesn't happen. So it might be the case where you, if you're supporting a child uh, with um, with uh, with additional needs, that um, that maybe the set teacher might take on just the literacy and numeracy for uh, for that child, and the mainstream class teacher might just provide the rest of it. So it may be a case where um, you would say to the parents, "Look, 
um, while the teacher is going to be asking children to do X, Y, and Z, um, look, your support teacher is going to provide the literacy and numeracy so you can ignore um, all that. I, I don't know if that makes sense. I mean, that's one way of doing it. Um, I think uh, teachers are very creative um, and will be able to, this is me fobbing it off, am I? No, gosh, that, that that's not my style. I, I It was just one idea that came to my head um, that that might work. Another way maybe, and I'm not sure if this would work as well, is if you have enough set team, um, you know, that maybe the what, what could happen rather than a set getting specific stuff is maybe the set team might might be used to maybe um, lower the ratio uh, for online learning so that basically um, the set team might be able to pre-record videos of particular lessons um, as well as the mainstream class teacher. So you're collaborating on, on and reducing the workload on the teacher and therefore increasing the amount of time you would be able to perhaps interact with children with additional needs. I think we need to blur the lines um, between what a set teacher is and what a mainstream class teacher is in an online capacity. I think we need to just have teachers and those teachers would be, if there's children with additional needs, that they that it's not necessarily left to the set teacher just to work with set pupils and it's not up to the mainstream class teacher to work uh, exclusively with uh, in the mainstream kind of end of things and therefore doubling on the work. I think there might be a blurring there of those of the of the roles and um, that might be more useful. And actually, that as I, as I, the more I think about it, that's more the route I'd be going. In fact, I nearly think I'd be getting rid of set um, if we were going down to a, a, a route of um, distance learning um, the next time. Not, not particularly in my school, I'm just thinking it's, it should be a way of thinking that we just have teachers who uh, basically are responsible for uh, learning and you will be taught by an adult, uh, maybe one or two adults during a day and maybe dividing up uh, the workload with live sessions, uh, recorded sessions and so on and so forth. So that's... Yeah, that's just a couple of thoughts on that, which seems like a good time to stop part two just at the 30 minute mark. And uh, I have another number of questions. I think I probably will get this done in three parts uh, unless I get a bit of a curveball here. So look, I'll leave it at that. Thanks for listening and we will see you at part three um, in the next couple of days. Thanks a million. Bye bye.